This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, contributor to this One Body show, George Toman, talks about the promises of the Sacred Heart. June is the month of the Sacred Heart. So now, let's hear from George Toman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the One Body Show here on Divine Mercy Radio. My name is George Toman, and welcome to the part one of two talks that I am doing on devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Before we begin, let's go ahead and start with a prayer. So if you would please join me in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, supremely worthy of boundless love and adoration, in union with the love of your most devoted mother, of the angels and saints in paradise, of my patron saints, in my own name and in that of your friends and mine, in the name of the whole church, militant and suffering, I offer you your own most gentle heart, and through it I adore you in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the one and triune God. Through your heart, I praise and glorify you. I love you and give thanks to you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I mentioned, today's talk is part one of two shows I'm doing on the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The first, which is what we're talking about today, is explaining the promises of the Sacred Heart. And the second will go into the actual devotion of the Sacred Heart, what it looks like, its primary object, those things. June is the month of the Sacred Heart, and since the 17th century, Catholics have traditionally practiced strong devotion to the Sacred Heart. The Holy Spirit in recent years has rekindled the devotion, and I have noticed that more people are posting the Sacred Heart image on their social media pages or mentioning it in blog posts and other media outlets. However, unfortunately, I have also been disappointed that some of those posting the image have little to no idea of the meaning or purpose behind the image of the Sacred Heart. And so I thought it'd be useful to share some information on what I would consider, and I think others would say as well, one of the greatest devotions the Church has to offer the faithful, and that is namely consecration and devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This first talk centers on the promises of the Sacred Heart. A few years ago, I did a one-body show on the promises of the Rosary and the practical implication of those promises. I'll do the same type of reflection here on the Sacred Heart. We'll first learn of the promises, and then we will focus on specific promises and the practical implication of them in today's world. The second talk, which I hope will be posted at a later time soon after this talk, will explain the devotion, its theological roots, the practices, and its ultimate aim. And just know that that will be a heavier talk in the sense of the material given, but it will be provided for those interested to grow in their practice of the de devotion, especially after hearing the one body talk today, or after hearing the one body talk today. 
Before covering the promises, I think it's important to first take a brief moment to summarize the Sacred Heart devotion. This devotion began, properly speaking, at the foot of the cross at Calvary. In John chapter 19, verses 33 to 34, we read, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, we read, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The church has always understood that the blood and water that flowed from the heart of Jesus was the wellspring fulfilled by Jesus' passion and death, as alluded to by the prophet Isaiah. That same blood and water, according to the church's tradition, also converted the soul of the soldier that pierced him. And therefore, in a very real and spiritual sense, the heart of Jesus is the wellspring of salvation. This is the core to the Sacred Heart devotion. It is believed that the devotion has existed since the 13th century with St. Gertrude and was made popular in the 17th century with St. Margaret Mary Aliqua. St. Margaret Mary is widely considered the church's ambassador of the Sacred Heart devotion as she received multiple experiences from our Lord outlining and strengthening the pieces and parts to this devotion. A good summary of the Sacred Heart devotion is found when pondering the words our Savior gave to her. And this is our Lord to St. Margaret Mary. Behold this heart, which has loved men so much that it spared no sacrifice, not even death and annihilation, in order to testify to them its love. And in return, I receive from the greater part of mankind only ingratitude, by reason of the contempt irreverence, sacrilege, and coldness, which they show me in the sacrament of love. This I feel more keenly than all I endured in my passion. If they would answer love for love, I will look upon all I have done for them as little, and I would, if that were possible, do still more. But they meet my eagerness to do them good only with coldness and rebuffs. Do thou at least give me the reconciliation of supplying for their gratitude as far as thou art able. The Sacred Heart devotion primarily consists of three essential components, consecration, reparation, and devotion. Consecration, in that we give our entire life to the care of the Sacred Heart. Reparation, in that we willfully acknowledge and do sacrifices with genuine sorrow for the offenses committed against Jesus Christ, and devotion, the pious practices that help us properly consecrate ourselves to Christ and console his sacred heart through acts of reparation. In its simplest definition, the sacred heart devotion is being a devout friend of Jesus Christ. Like St. John at the foot of the cross, we are to console our Lord and be present with him. We are to receive the sacraments frequently, in particular the Eucharist and confession. 
We are also asked to pray in reparation for the sins committed against the Sacred Heart. As what our Lord told St. Mary, do thou at least give me the consolation of supplying for their ingratitude as far as thou art able. We also commit to sharing this devotion with others, in particular, our own family. The devotion asks that an image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus be posted in a common area in the home so that all members of the family and those visiting may know that Jesus is their King. And above other and among other things, we are asked to commit ourselves to the first Friday's devotion, which is nine consecutive Fridays attending Mass by receiving the sacrament of the Eucharist in the state of grace. If we commit to these core practices of the devotion, consecration, reparation, and devotion, life-changing prayer, we are promised specific graces from our Lord. Unfortunately, in the history of the church, people have abused the meaning of these promises. They have wrongly believed that doing the prayers or attending masses without a firm resolution to change one's life for Christ, or put a simpler way, devotion without the desire to be a saint, that they would receive the same blessings. That is simply false and something that I want you as the listener to understand. To put it simply and concretely, the Sacred Heart devotion is meant to change your life. If you follow the devotion with true repentance and an amendment to your life, you will change the world. St. Catherine of Siena wisely taught, Be who you are created to be, and you will set the world on fire. The Sacred Heart devotion is a very efficacious means to be who you are created to be. Yet far too often, we have people mistakenly believe that, and I quote, as long as I put up that image, I will be saved. Or even worse, as long as I do these practices, God will bless me regardless of the sin of my life. These are lies and unfortunately have been shared far too often with far too many people. Properly understood, the Sacred Heart devotion is meant to make you a saint. It is meant for you and the world to experience the divine love of Christ through the sacraments of the Church and pious practices of faith by growing in an intimate friendship with Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, we will talk more about the devotion and its specific parts at a later time, but for now, that the promises, but know now that the promises of the Sacred Heart are only possible for those that truly desire to change their life for Jesus through the devotion. So the promises should be seen as natural consequences of the actions done by those who faithfully commit to the Sacred Heart devotion. Just because you put a picture of Christ on your wall does not guarantee you the promises we are about to reflect on. Rather, the faithful Catholic that embraces the Sacred Heart devotion by transforming their life with the help of Christ to become a faithful disciple will be given these promises. So what are these promises? Our Lord shared with St. Margaret Mary 12 of them that again are to be disposed to those who faithfully participate in the Sacred Heart devotion. 
I will read through each of them and then spend a few moments expanding on practical implications of those promises. So here are the 12 promises for those devoted to the Sacred Heart. Number one, I will give them all the graces necessary in their state of life. Number two, I will establish peace in their homes. Number three, I will comfort them in all their afflictions. Number four, I will be their secure refuge during life and above all in death. Number five, I will bestow abundant blessings upon all their undertakings. Number six, sinners will find in my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy. Number seven, lukewarm souls shall become fervent. Number eight, fervent souls shall quickly mount to high perfection. Number nine, I will bless every place in which an image of my heart is exposed and honored. Number 10, I will give to priest the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. Number 11, those who shall promote this devotion shall have their names written in my heart. And number 12, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. So now let's go ahead and begin with the promises and some practical implications for each, which I hope will encourage some of us who are listening to either rekindle our devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus or, as an introduction, look into the Sacred Heart of D Jesus devotion a little more closely and apply that to our their own life. So the first promise, I will give them all the graces necessary in their state of life. So this promise, put in very simple terms, is that God will provide you all the necessary graces to manage through whatever it is that you're going through in regards to your state of life. So whether you are a lay person, consecrated lay faithful, priest, religious, anywhere in between, sacred heart devotion, one of its promises is that you will receive the graces necessary to conduct what you need to do. I want to point out that the promise does not say resources, money, or feelings. The promise is about grace. Now, granted, God may provide graces that manifest in resources, money, positive feelings, etc. But that's not the primary aim, and it's important to remember that. Remember that we do not preach a health and wealth gospel as Catholics. We preach a gospel of the cross. We preach a gospel of resurrection, of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And therefore, the promise, this first promise, is about the graces that are needed. So, in short, this promise means that God will bless you 
and I will say beyond your comprehension. With grace is to help you in your state of life. If you're married, he will give you and your family grace. If a priest or religious, he will give you the graces near you to carry out you, your duties. Any insecurity that you have about your state of life can be resolved by devotion to the Sacred Heart through this promise. So even going deeper, if you're in a family, let's say you're listening, you're a father or you're a mother, maybe you're expecting your first newborn, and you're wondering, can I be a good parent? Can I truly love this human being that God has entrusted me? That has God has literally said, you will be the instrument to bring this soul into the world. Am I worthy of that? Maybe you're discerning marriage with someone. Or maybe you're a single person trying to figure out your vocation. And maybe you feel a little bit hopeless. Maybe you're confused. Hard to navigate the waters of today. Turn to the sacred heart of Jesus. Turn to his infinite mercy that is found there. This promise assures us that when we commit to the sacred heart of Jesus, consecrate ourselves to him, devoutly pray in reparation for the sins committed against him, and do our best to not only improve our own lives through the sanctifying grace of God, but also bring with us other people for the sake of their salvation. When we do those things, God promises that he will give us the graces necessary to handle whatever state we're in. And that's very reassuring. As we're going to soon discover, multiple promises actually meet can be kind of encompass also in this first promise. It's uniquely different, but also has connections with the other promises, as what most promises that our Lord gives to us do. But to be confident in a world that there's a lot of you know insecurities, there's a lot of things that we are not sure of, the devotion allows us to remember that God is always present and he will provide. Something that I would say for a lot of us, we need that reminder. So the Sacred Heart devotion, we are promised of that grace and many graces to whatever state of life we're in. Number two, the second promise I want to talk about is I will establish peace in their homes. Do you have a family that's torn apart by conflict? Do you have family members who through God knows whatever the reason is, create a lot of divisiveness. Are you scared of holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas when you have to meet certain people out of what you feel obligation for love of them and you know that it's going to cause issues or potential issues that emotionally are draining? If you've answered yes to any of those, then your family probably has conflict. And for some, I imagine at also has led to your family being torn apart. The Sacred Heart devotion can cure those ailments, assuming that you, as the devotee, is committed to change your life by the grace of Christ, as experienced through this devotion to the Sacred Heart. For those that are devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, you will find 
that there will be more peace in your homes. You will find that there will be more order. The graces of God will be flowing in your house a little more than before, and you will notice it. So in a particular way, I especially call all fathers to grow in their devotion to the Sacred Heart. Since you are the spiritual leader of your homes, this devotion has particular meaning for you. By offering our spiritual leadership to the Sacred Heart, Christ in turn gives us innumerable graces to be the best dads and spouses to our wives. But only through Christ can we achieve this. And the Sacred Heart devotion is a great way to be molded into a great father. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. We'll be right back with more about the promises of the Sacred Heart with George Toman. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Promises of the Sacred Heart. One body. Stewarding God's Creation. With George Toman. George continues talking about the 12 promises of devotion to the Sacred Heart. Promise number three, I will comfort them in all their afflictions. I don't know about you, but the amount of suffering in the world today is quite strong and real. Personally, I have seen my friends and loved ones experience more suffering than I have remembered ever happening in the past. It could be because I'm older, that's true. So your senses to the things of God, maybe there's a little better clarity. But I also have a strong sense, and I think many of you would agree with me who are listening, that these sufferings are also due to the condition of our world. Our world, unfortunately, seems to continue with willful passion toward the evil one. Rather than turning towards Christ, it seems that the world continues to turn to the evil one. Though that is what is taught in the scriptures and taught in our theology, doesn't make it any easier. So the promise that our Lord gives us, I will comfort them in all their afflictions, is reassuring to me. In a world so lost and confused, it is hopeful to know that Christ has not abandoned us, nor will he abandon us. Instead of abandonment, he promises comfort. That is such a blessing. So whatever issues you have, income, possessions, your profession, whatever it may be, the Sacred Heart devotion can be a way to experience God's love to comfort you in times of great distress and trouble. Again, similar to what was said earlier, our Lord does not say that our feelings will go away. He says, I will comfort them in all their afflictions. Sometimes, that just means that he's there to give us that big hug. That little message that we need when things seem to be going wrong to say, it's okay, I'm here. 
that in and of itself, when you feel isolated, alone, distressed, depressed, that little notion that our Lord is there, giving us his love, can be enough to make it through any trial. And through the Sacred Heart devotion, Jesus promises that for those who are afflicted, he will give them his comfort. Promise number five, I will bestow abundant blessings upon all their undertakings. This pro promise does have a caveat that the undertakings we do are designed and blessed by God. So in other words, don't expect this promise to happen if the undertaking you're doing is sinful. But besides that simple point, reflecting on this promise, I can't help but think about the many things we do in life that require divine assistance. For example, the priest that begins a renovation project for his parish, or the layperson that is trying to find new work after multiple unsuccessful jobs. There are a lot of unknowns, and sometimes our personal weaknesses also get in the way of our success. This promise to those devoted to the Sacred Heart guarantees that God will bless you. Even if you are at the mercy of others, or are unsure of your own abilities as a person, God promises this, if you are devoted to my Sacred Heart, I will bless you abundantly. So, in the simplest terms, if we are doing some type of project, if we are doing something even with work, maybe it's for the church, it could be anything. As long as it is designed and blessed by God, he will bestow abundant blessings upon those undertakings. Again, God typically does not bless things that do not influence our salvation positively. Rather, he'll take that crooked line as we learn in the season of Advent and make it straight so that it does lead to our salvation. So it's important to remember that when we remember this promise so that we don't fall into a false sense of despair, that as long as we offer willingly all of the things that we do, discern them appropriately to know that they are at least something that God finds pleasing, he will bless those undertakings. And this can even be something to the extent of, and I'll give a quick example that comes to mind right now, you're planning a family vacation and you're depending on a lot of things to go right. The weather, the flights being on time and on schedule, keeping to your budget so that you don't go too far off the deep end on your credit card, being sure that the kids stay healthy, being sure that people don't harm your family, especially your children. You start mounting up all the things that you want out of a, out of a vacation and it be, can become quite overwhelming, as many of you know. But in this simple example, to give your family reprieve by having a devotion to the Sacred Heart, assuming that the activities and everything associated do not go against your salvation, God is willing to bless those undertakings abundantly. So even though you do not have direct control on the weather, God may provide a very clear skies for your travels. Even though you may not be able to control the intentions of others, God may send his angels or protect you in other ways so that you do not have to face hardships. 
Using another example separate from that, many of us know of family members, friends, and others who are having to go through surgery. And there's a lot of unknowns, even in the simplest of surgeries, about how things will go. There's many different risks involved. And the more high risk of a surgery, the more unknowns that come up. And so devotion to the Sacred Heart provides this opportunity for those faithful to be secured because of their faith in Jesus that grows from the Sacred Heart, to be secure that God will protect them in those moments, in those undertakings. And that is an incredible blessing. And in fact, if you're a lot like me, that's a big relief because there's a lot of unknowns and those unknowns can drive you crazy. And our Lord simply says, no, let me handle them. You focus on my sacred heart. The seventh promise, lukewarm souls will become fervent. If you have a child that has fallen away from the faith, a spouse or other family member, I like for you to think about incorporating the sacred heart devotion in your life. Scripture is definitively clear that lukewarmness is spiritually dangerous. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. The Sacred Heart devotion is known to help convert even the most stubborn of sinners. If you want your loved ones to return to the church, this promise of the Sacred Heart is for you. First, grow in devotion to the Sacred Heart individually. Make a commitment to change your life based on the teaching of the Sacred Heart devotion. Second, pray for them specifically with the Sacred Heart Devotion. A powerful prayer can be, I offer this Mass in reparation for the sins committed against thy Sacred Heart, especially those from my own family. After you've noticed the changes in your life due to devotion to the Sacred Heart, then evangelize to your children or to the soul whom you wish to help lead back to Jesus. Remember that St. Augustine, one of the greatest fathers of the Church, credited the perseverance of his mother's intercession for his soul as a primary instrument of his own conversion. Using St. Monica's example of spiritual perseverance, use the Sacred Heart devotion and its promise of converting lukewarm sinners to your own family and watch how it will change your life. Promise number nine, I will bless every place in which an image of my heart is exposed and honored. As we established earlier, it is important to remember that the act of putting a picture of Christ's sacred heart is not a guarantee of this promise. It, as it is written, the promise is given to those that expose and honor the image of Christ's heart. The word honor is defined by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary as, quote, a showing of merited respect. How do we respect Christ? And the answer is by following his commandments. From scripture, teacher, which is the greatest, the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 
36 to 40. St. Paul also comments on this in his letter to the Romans. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Chapter 12, verses 9 to 11. We respect Christ by doing his commands, which are to pray, love, and serve others. So when we follow Christ's commands, which honors our Lord, and expose his sacred heart to our homes, he will bless us. And it's important to remember that this promise does not pertain only to homes, but can also be true of businesses and other locations. So if you are a small business owner that so happens to be Catholic, consider the Sacred Heart devotion as a means to, again, have God bless your undertakings. Promise number 10. I will give to priests the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. Though this is directly related to priests, I would like to reflect on this promise as a layperson. St. John Eudes taught this, quote, The most evident mark of God's anger and the most terrible catastation he can inflict upon the world are manifested when he permits his people to fall into the hands of clerics who are priests more in name than in deed, priests who practice the cruelty of ravening wolves rather than the charity and affection of devoted shepherds. Instead of nourishing those committed to their care, they rend and devour them brutally. Instead of leading their people to God, they drag Christian souls into hell in their train. Instead of being the salt of the earth and the light of the world, they are its innocuous poison and its murky darkness. When God permits such things, it is a very positive proof that he is thoroughly angry with his people and is visiting his most dreadful anger upon them. Close quote. In short, John, St. John Eudes teaches us that there is a direct correlation between the needs of the faithful and the type of priest God provides for them. What I'm about to say is not a popular opinion, but I think it holds merit. If you're in a parish or community where your priest is unfortunately lukewarm, it is likely that your congregation is also lukewarm. Though it may seem confusing at first why God would allow such a punishment, that is, why would God give a lukewarm congregation a lukewarm priest when that congregation really needs the fire of the Spirit, it isn't confusing when we realize that God gives us what we desire. Therefore, if we have a community of believers that does not want a holy priest, or does not want to follow the narrow road of holiness to be a friend of Christ, then why would God give an unwilling flock his best servants? If they don't want it, why would God give it to them? After all, Scripture says very clearly, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. As Deuteronomy chapter 4, 4 verse 29 and also ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. That's Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. If we do not ask for God's blessing, 
remember that he respects our free will. Therefore, I am convinced that the Sacred Heart devotion can be a pathway for faithful souls to ask God in fervent prayer for a holy priest, a priest that will take the lukewarm hearts and help change them. But it requires at least one soul in the church to request God for it. My question, could you be that soul? Could you be that person that God is calling amongst others who do not appreciate him and be the soul that is being asked to pray for the wellspring of salvation, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. If you are, then please think about adding the Sacred Heart devotion to your life. And lastly, the 12th promise. I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. Maybe the most important and awe-inspiring message, this 12th promise guarantees that, at the hour of death, we will not be abandoned. Death will not strike us without the sacraments. This is God's promise to the faithful of the Sacred Heart devotion. Every time we pray a Hail Mary, we ask Our Lady to, quote, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. The devil's final attempt at our soul happens at the hour of death. He is relentless, and souls experience great agony. This promise ensures us that the Divine Heart, which is well known by devotees of the Sacred Heart, will be the refuge of their soul in their final breaths. God will place that soul near his heart, just like the soul willfully stood at the cross in their life, offering sacrifice and comfort to our Lord at Calvary. Think of it as our Lord saying to you, at my last hour, you chose to stand by me as my friend. Now, let me do the same for you. I also would like to briefly mention that one of the unfortunate abuses of the Sacred Heart devotion actually stems from this promise. Again, I hope we've established through so many ways that the Sacred Heart devotion works when we ourselves actually transform our lives, more accurately let God transform us into his disciples through this devotion, rather than doing the devotion for the sake of the promises themselves. There is a distinct difference there. And this promise, unfortunately, was very, very abused in some areas of the church. Some people, unfortunately, would see the words, receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months, and they wouldn't understand the rest of the devotion or weren't taught the other parts of the devotion, and so would live their life in continuous habitual sin, would not let God transform their lives and they would do these things, and yet they still did not receive the greatest grace of all, which is being able to truly be a saint on earth through God's sanctifying grace. Rather, they just did these devotions because, well, if I do them, then regardless of my sin, I'll be okay. And that's simply not true. So again, if we desire to access these promises of the Sacred Heart devotion, we must trust our Lord to change our life as a result of the graces that he will give us through the devotion. And when that happens, these are natural consequences that occur. And this last one in particular, if you are receiving our Lord frequently, 
at Mass and communion, and particularly those first Fridays, if you are entrusting your entire life to him and his sacred heart, then yes, it makes complete logical sense why this promise exists. God will not abandon you because you never abandon. But if we really want to truly let this devotion sprout in the way that our Lord desires, again, let us not fall into the trap of older generations of Catholics who may have mistakenly believed that if I just do these things, then everything will be fine, rather than realizing that it is the devotion and the transformation of our lives that leads to these promises, that these are natural consequences from Sacred Heart devotion. And most importantly, we become friends with Jesus and ultimately friends with him in heaven. In conclusion, for part one, let us grow in our devotion to the Sacred Heart as a way to transform our lives, the lives of our families, and in turn, the world. Most importantly, let us turn to the Sacred Heart as a friend of Jesus and stand at the foot of his cross with St. John and our Sorrowful Mother. He is all-loving. Let us not deny his great love, this great love of the Savior. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine. Thanks for tuning into One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Folks, heaven is unseen, and so are these airwaves. However, if you want to save Unseen Souls for Heaven, please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts.